Today in Business from Wired. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Today in business from Wired. Brought to you by Hot Seat, a new memoir from Jeff Immelt, the former CEO of General Electric. Raw, honest, intimate. Hot Seat is that and more, as Immelt recounts what it's like to be a leader in times of crisis. Buy your copy of Hot Seat today, wherever books are sold. Why a YouTube chat about chess got flagged for hate speech. AI programs that analyze language have difficulty gauging context. Words such as black, white, and attack can have different meanings. By Will Knight. So last June... Antonio Radic, the host of a YouTube chess channel with more than a million subscribers, was live-streaming an interview with the Grandmaster Hikaru Nakamura when the broadcast suddenly cut out. Instead of a lively discussion about chess openings and famous games and iconic players, viewers were told Radic's video had been removed for harmful and dangerous content. Radic saw a message stating that the video, which included nothing more scandalous than a discussion of the King's Indian defense, had violated YouTube's community guidelines, and it remained offline for 24 hours. Now, exactly what happened still isn't clear, and YouTube declined to comment beyond saying that removing Radic's video was a mistake, but a new study suggests it reflects shortcomings in artificial intelligence programs designed to automatically detect hate speech, abuse, and misinformation online. Ashik Kudabuksh, a project scientist who specializes in AI at Carnegie Mellon University and a serious chess player himself, wondered if YouTube's algorithm may have been confused by discussions involving black and white pieces, attacks, and defenses, so, he and Rupak Sarkar, an engineer at CMU, designed an experiment. They trained two versions of a language model called BERT, B-E-R-T, one using messages from the racist far-right website Stormfront and the other using data from Twitter. Then they tested the algorithms on the text and comments from 8,818 chess videos and found them to be far from perfect. 
The algorithms flagged around 1% of transcripts and comments as hate speech, but more than 80% of those flagged were false positives. See, read in context, the language wasn't racist. Without a human in the loop, the pair say in their paper, relying on off-the-shelf classifiers' predictions on chess discussions can be misleading. The experiment exposed a core problem for AI language programs. Detecting hate speech or abuse is about more than just catching foul words and phrases. See, the same words can have vastly different meaning in different contexts, so an algorithm must infer meaning from a string of words. Fundamentally, language is still a very subtle thing, says Tom Mitchell, a CMU professor who has previously worked with Kudabuksh. These kinds of trained classifiers are not soon going to be 100% accurate. Yejin Choi, an associate professor at the University of Washington, who specializes in AI and language, says she is not at all surprised by the YouTube takedown, given the limits of language understanding today. Choi says additional progress in detecting hate speech will require big investments and new approaches. She says that algorithms work better when they analyze more than just a piece of text in isolation, incorporating, for example, a user's history of comments or the nature of the channel in which the comments are being posted. But Choi's research also shows how hate speech detection can perpetuate biases. In a 2019 study, she and others found that human annotators were more likely to label Twitter posts by users who self-identify as African-American as abusive, and that algorithms trained to identify abuse using those annotations will repeat those biases. Companies have spent many millions collecting and annotating training data for self-driving cars, but Choi says the same effort has not been put into annotating language. So far, no one has collected and annotated a high-quality data set of hate speech or abuse that includes lots of edge cases with ambiguous language. If we made that level of investment on data collection, or even a small fraction of it, I'm sure AI can do much better, she says. Now, Mitchell, the CMU professor, says YouTube and other platforms likely have more sophisticated AI algorithms than the one Kudabuksh built. But even those are still limited. Big tech companies are counting on AI to address hate speech online. In 2018, Mark Zuckerberg told Congress that AI would help stamp out hate speech. Earlier this month, Facebook said its AI algorithms detected 97% of the hate speech the company removed in the last three months of 2020, up from 24% in 2017. But it doesn't disclose the volume of hate speech the algorithms miss or how often AI gets it wrong. So Wired fed some of the comments gathered by the CMU researchers into two hate speech classifiers, one from Jigsaw, an alphabet subsidiary focused on tackling misinformation and toxic content, and another from Facebook. Some statements, like this one, at 143, if White King simply moves to G1, it's the end of Black's attack, and White is only down a night, right? Those were judged 90% likely not hate speech. But this statement... White's attack on black is brutal. White is stomping all over black's defenses. The black king is going to fall. That was judged more than 60% likely to be hate speech. So it remains unclear how often content may be mistakenly flagged as hate speech on YouTube and other platforms. We don't know how often it happens, Kudabuksh says. If a YouTuber is not that famous, we will not see it. Like what you learned? 
Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more business news at wired.com slash business. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.